Hi, and welcome to the My Dog Made Me Do It Naturally podcast. I am your host, Kat Jepsen, a canine nutritionist with an innate obsession with dogs and the natural ways in which we are driven to live because of them. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the My Dog Made Me Do It Naturally podcast. I am your host Kat Jepson and today I am joined by Simone who is the loving mother to Blue the GSD and today we've got quite a heavy topic which I think is not talked about enough in the pet world um, although it should be and we are going to talk about how losing Cheska, Blue's big sister, impacted her feeding habits and overall well-being. So welcome Simone, welcome to the show how are you this evening thank you for having me i'm okay i'm a little bit nervous i've never done anything like this before um, oh but i'm sure we'll be fine <laughs> you will you will forget all about the podcast by the time we get talking i promise oh, you that <laughs> right so i think um just to kind of set the scene a little bit um why don't you tell us a little bit about blue and cheska to start with yeah, so Cheska was, uh, she wasn't my first dog. I had a, a dog in my childhood, but she was the first dog that I owned. Um, so we brought her home, I think I was 22 when we got her and, and my husband was 20. So we were babies and we brought home this small horse. But um, so Cheska was a German shepherd. Uh, looking back at sort of where we got Cheska from at the time, we were probably young and naive and and she probably was from a little bit of a puppy farm um but she she was great so she um she passed away last february she was 12. um we very quickly found out with chester i think she was about gosh about nine months old that she'd got hip dysplasia and then um, i know and then when she was about five um she would be she'd walk and we'd hear like a click yeah. Um, so she went for more x-rays and then they found that she'd also got it in one of her elbows on her front legs. So she was she not a problem dog because she was amazing, but there was always something with Cheska. It felt like we were always yeah. back and forth from the vets. So when we decided to get another dog, we wanted to make sure that we did all the research that our little 20-year-old selves never did. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we got blue we have a saying in our house that cheska was sent from the heavens and blue was sent to test every ounce of our being <laughs> she is she was she sent is, from the other place <laughs> she was yeah she is sassy and fierce and really really quite quickly slotted into that annoying little sister role um yeah. And we thought Cheska was big. Blue is, I'm not sure whether we bought a dog or a pony. She's she's massive. Is she really um, that much bigger? Yeah, so she's quite a little bit, I say quite a little bit, quite a lot longer than Cheska ever was. And then oh, right, yeah, yeah. she doesn't look it, she looks really slender, but she's 43 kilo. So she's, wow. she, she's a pony. Yeah, wow, <laughs> she's a big girl, isn't she? Yeah, she is um and blue bless her has been pretty much golden from the minute we got her we've had a few issues with anxiety and odd bits and bobs but in terms of her health not really a massive amount of issues that we experience with cheska so they are a little bit like chalk and cheese yeah um, yeah 
But very quickly, we realised that we would never be more than a two-dog household. <laughs> it was chaos from day one, literally day one. I remember we we brought her home and um, we had Cheska in the garden and, and we took Blue out. It was the summer. It was the summer after lockdown as well, so it was hot. And within probably 10 seconds of meeting Cheska, Blue was hanging off her tail. Um oh. Cheska couldn't go anywhere without this little furball just hanging off the tip of her tail. And I remember speaking to the vets when we took Blue for injections, you know, she, she won't leave Cheska alone. What can we do? She said, pop some lemon juice on Cheska's tail. She'll hate it. She'll never do it again. But it turned out Blue quite liked lemon juice and it just encouraged <laughs> her behaviour. So, it's, yeah, they had a very, I mean, they loved each other, but... Um, Cheska, the blue taught Cheska patience, definitely yeah. taught Cheska some patience. Oh, bless her. No. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. And I think, you know, it's not always easy when you bring a second dog in when you've already got a resident dog living there. I mean, we got yeah. um we got Be Betty and Boris together, and then Barney came two years later um barney came like the summer before they passed so we had a three dog household for a little bit and i remember getting betty and boris and they were like <laughs> i was also a young newbie and didn't really do any research and i didn't even really do any research about potty training or anything like that and i remember mm -hmm. there just being like piles of poo all over the house and i didn't know which dog had done it and i was just like oh my god i've got two dogs and they're just coming everywhere but when we got Barney, obviously I did a bit more research, although I do, you know, um, didn't research like the breeders and things that didn't come until afterwards. Um, but I, I did kind of step it up in terms of like the potty training and things. But again, Barney is completely different. Like Barney and Boris couldn't be any more different, like the same. Mm -hmm. So maybe yeah. it's just one of those things. Yeah. Maybe it's just one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cheska was nine as well when we when we brought Blue home. So it was very much, Blue's either going to give her this new lease of life or Cheska is going to hate every minute of her life. And you know, she she was she tried her best to be the patient big sister. She really did. But Blue is, yeah, she is sent to test everybody that meets her. I'm sure of it. <laughs> oh, but I mean, even so, you you did do a good job though, because I mean, she lived until twelve, which is you know, hey, yeah. that's a really that's a really good age for a German Shepherd, especially yeah. one that has issues with their joints. So you know, yeah, you did a good job there. Um, Thank you. No, it's credit where it's due. Um, so what did what did your natural journey look like for Blue and Cheska? Um, so with Cheska, again, really naive and I, I mean, probably the same as you, my parents probably didn't even know what a raw diet was. So our family dogs grew up on whatever kibble was brought from the supermarket at the time. I don't think there was any thought behind it at all. So Cheska was kind of the same. We brought her home. She'd been weaned onto um, supermarket kibble and we didn't know any better. We um, we probably didn't think to introduce Cheska to Raw until around about the time we did with Blue, which was, was quite early with Blue's. Blue came home on a Raw diet. But for majority of Cheska's life, very basic kibble, nothing exciting, no, 
no bowl boosters for the first what nine years of her life no fruit no veg she and we could see that then I think by the time we'd started to transition her to a more natural healthier diet when we got blue you know Cheska would turn her nose up at everything if it wasn't a chicken nugget or like cheese or something that she knew she shouldn't have she was not interested we'd give blue a carrot and Cheska would look at her like you'll die for eating that (laughs) yeah so she she was a tricky one where with blue blue is she'll eat anything you give her she yeah she's very easy to feed she she loves everything which we're quite fortunate with yeah and I think definitely it does you know dogs form preferences about their food from being puppies so if Cheska's mm-hmm. known kibble all her life till being nine which is a long time in dog years mm-hmm. then she's gonna be like hey don't fix my yeah. ain't broken you know, <laughs> yeah. I like this kibble whereas if you say you know blue came home on a raw food diet that's why she's gonna have that hunger for that raw meaty bone you know mm-hmm. that's like Barney Barney Manny didn't come home on a raw food diet, but I was into the raw food diet at the time of bringing him home. So I put him straight on a raw food diet and um, he, but he he did absolutely love it. Like I remember him eating his meals as a puppy and his belly would just swell up and he'd just be like this little big pot-bellied pig <laughs> walking around. But when I tried to get Boris onto it, he was like, mm, nah. You know, I'm not fussy for that. And he still does it now sometimes. You know, he's always been a bit picky with it. There's been times where, you know, he'll just basically pie his food for like two to three days because he's just, he doesn't want that particular protein or something like that. And it's, you know, it, it can be tricky. But I always say, I shouldn't really say this, but I always say dogs that will eat anything are proper dogs because you expect, yeah. <laughs> you expect a dog to eat yeah. absolutely anything because by yeah. nature they are opportunistic scavengers they like you mm-hmm. know in the wild they would eat literally anything they could get their mouths yeah. around so I think you know it is it does make it that little bit easier when they are willing to to eat <laughs> <laughs> oh but it still doesn't come without its trials does it oh I know and blue is easy she I mean broccoli is probably the one thing that she would turn her nose up at but as long as it's mushed in her food okay or it's it's blended into something she she's fine we are really lucky with her yeah so um obviously you you have told us unfortunately cheska passed away in february last year bless her soul beautiful angel um so and blue was three was she three Two. 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 Two, yeah. Okay. So how did this impact Blue in the household? Yeah, so in the in the run up to losing Cheska, so probably sort of three three ish days before, it was really obvious that Cheska had gone downhill quite quickly. Her breathing had changed and she just she wasn't herself. She had no interest in in playing or anything like that. So I think Blue picked up on that behavior and almost became it's like their roles reversed a little bit so how blue would normally come and lay on the rug and Cheska would groom blue it sort of changed a little bit so Cheska was sort of laying down and blue was hovering around Cheska so straight away I think blue could definitely sense something was going on um and then sadly when when we did lose Cheska we um we chose to use a cremation company outside of the vets we wanted to 
to just have it a little bit more personal than going to the vets, leaving her there and, and job done. We, we sort of wanted to do it a little bit more um, nicely. So Cheska came home um, after sadly passing to the Rainbow Bridge. Um, we spoke to a couple of behaviourists who recommended because Blue didn't really know life without Cheska, it would be a definitive way of Blue knowing that, that Cheska was gone. In hindsight, I wish we hadn't done that. Blue, oh, really? um, yeah, Blue kind of kept her distance initially when Cheska came home before before we went to the the pet crematorium, and it wasn't until we sort of moved Cheska to to take her that Blue became really protective of her. Um, she almost sat on her to to stop to stop us touching and moving her, Aww. and I think I think that was probably the start of the the process then so we we came home um she was very quiet straight away refused to eat and drink and that went on for about three days yeah. so it was no matter what we would offer her she was not interested so I think at one point my son offered her a chocolate biscuit and she stuck her nose up at that she was just not having any interest in anything she wasn't drinking her water um you know we'd we'd go upstairs and she'd howl because she was afraid that she'd been left on her own and my husband was working he he wasn't able to get time off it was half I remember it was a half term so I was quite fortunate that I was at home for those first few days but on the Monday when I went back to work we had our neighbours ringing us to say you know, she's howling and she's barking and it's you know she sounds like she's in pain so I was thinking, oh god has she got herself stuck somewhere and come home and it wasn't it was she was just obviously vocalising everything, how yeah. she felt. Um, so food and water-wise, that was probably the trickiest part for Blue. So um, I remember back then we had our little puppy chops, pet shop brand rep chat. <laughs> and I remember putting in the like, help, I need help. And um, it was, I think initially it was bone broth. So she was drinking yeah. bone broth Um I think that was probably about day three and that was the first thing that touched her tummy in three days oh wow I know and then it was probably a good four or five days before we actually got any I would say substance of a meal into her she when she'd had the bone broth I think we managed to to like god trick her with the odd sprat or rabbit ear oh yeah but it yeah. did take a good sort of four or five days just to get her to even eat a meal which even then I think it was just like ground off diced beef. It wasn't even, you know, her regular diet. It really did take its time. Oh, bless her. Well, if you think, you know, well, I mean, you know how you felt about the whole situation and you have other things in your life to try and take your mind off it. Whereas for the yeah. pet that's left behind, you know, mm -hmm. that she was probably just so confused about, you know what the hell is going on and yeah. you just can't seem to imagine what it must be like for them especially because they can't really communicate so you know I, I imagine it's really difficult to watch as well as a pet parent yeah so like I was coming home from work when I was getting those messages and and you know she was she was almost sweaty to touch you could tell that she'd really got herself worked off and um she was losing hair like it it was like it was shedding season all over again. We'd come in and you couldn't see the floor for all the dog fur. So she, 
she really was getting herself super worked up. But I remember coming in one day and, and she was laying on her bed and I just sat on the floor and cried with her. And Aww. it was very much, you know, I could sit and talk to people and say, you know, it's, it's a horrible day today. I miss her. Yeah. X, Y, and Z. But Blue was almost communicating those feelings that you try to keep a little bit private. So, you, you know, yeah. you wouldn't go to work and cry, but you yeah. would come home and Blue was almost sort of, it was a mirror of how we were feeling, but we couldn't yeah. help her because, you know, she doesn't speak English. Yeah, she, no. there was There was nothing we could do. So it was... It was it was a long process, but we oh. got her there in the end. <laughs> so I know it's so difficult, you know. And it's like when I think about lose it when we lost Betty. I mean, Betty and Boris were inseparable. Like mm. they shared bed and everything. Like since being puppies, they always shared a bed, and they, we always went everywhere together. And Betty was like the boss of the gang, you know. <laughs> she did she what she said when even though she was like this long and she weighed like five kilos <laughs> she was in charge <laughs> she was so bossy when I think back and you know like because of everything else that was happening at the time when we lost Betty I honestly can't even remember like the dogs when you know like afterwards because obviously my dad had passed away and Betty had passed away and I was just mm -hmm. in this horrible mess of just upset and anxiety and just basically well you know what it's like and Boris's seizures started getting worse which you know I just sometimes I just don't understand why it didn't all make sense to me back then because obviously he was stressed and he didn't know what was going on yeah. and he was looking for Betty and you know it's like Whereas now, when I look back at it, I think everything kind of just falls into place when you think about the behaviours. But I honestly cannot tell you, apart from Boris's seizures getting getting worse and Barney kind of uh, becoming a bit reactive, I can't tell you what their behaviour was like in the house. I literally can't remember it all. And, you know, I hate myself for it because I think I wish I would have tuned oh, no. in more. Yeah, but this is what we do isn't it I think you know when we look back yeah but I think you know you just it was just one of those things where I was just completely oblivious to it so you know Blue is yeah. really lucky that you actually considered her feelings in this because I think a lot of people probably just think you know dogs don't feel grief you know I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that actually they do and you know yeah. even like when dogs if their owner passes away or even when they've you know been put in a rescue and things like that it's just so stressful and then that can lead on to other issues like Barney we've struggled with Barney and his like temperament and stress and everything ever since then and it's definitely something to do with that um mm -hmm. and then Boris obviously his epilepsy but do you think blue has had any long-lasting issues from that experience or do you think she's kind of come out of the other end now um mostly i would say she's sort of come out the other end blue has always had um little bits of of reactivity but i think it's been based on fear so chester oh, yeah. was really the only dog that blue knew where yeah. now it's sort of you know we've got to the point where she had companionship for the first like two and a half years of her life to nothing so yeah. it's very much like that lasting effect of actually she's gone from being 
not completely socialized but you know she did have another dog that was in the house she had companionship she had she had that aspect of being social to nothing and that worries me a little bit like yeah if, if the time comes that we bring another dog into the house how is she going to react how is how is that going to come out <laughs> how will she deal with a dog hanging off her tail <laughs> um, but no, in terms of sort of other things she she's i would say mostly come out of the other end she will recognize certain things so towards the end cheska's um throat almost started to collapse in on itself so when she was panting she she sounded a little bit like a tractor it was really yeah. heavy really grumbly and yeah. we've got a few videos where you can hear that on it and if we're playing it she's very alert to that noise so even though it is I mean it's almost a year now which feels crazy I yeah. do think there is still those memories there's got to be she recognizes yeah. it um yeah but aside from that I think she is pretty much out the other end now she's so spoiled i don't think she even realizes that <laughs> no, she's definitely seeing the perks of being an only dog she doesn't have time yeah. to think about being sad <laughs> yeah oh but that's what you want though isn't it and it's not like you know yeah. it's the same with us where we all experience losing people pets that we love at some point in life it's just inevitable it's the way that it is and it is a very very tricky time to navigate and it can last for months and even years and things like that but I think and it's not the fact that we forget it's just the fact that we learn to kind of look at the positives of it and you know we yeah. we don't move on we just move forward you know what I mean that yeah. kind of thing so I think it is it doesn't mean that we care any less about it it just means that we can cope better day to day and we've learned to navigate a new normal so it is I'm really happy to hear obviously well obviously I know Blue's doing all right now anyway because I know Blue but <laughs> <laughs> but it is so it's so good to know because then it does it shows that animals dogs have disability to be able to adapt and move on and that things mm -hmm. can change and that sometimes behavioral issues or changes they are just short-term things that happen due to an external circumstance which we can navigate and overcome yeah um yeah so what was the hardest thing of that of navigating that situation for you as blue's mum what was the hardest thing initially i think it was it was worry you know she wasn't eating she wasn't drinking what do i do is this is this the new normal how do i get her back to basically how do i get her to survive like she needs yeah. to eat and drink but that <laughs> passed that passed quite quickly in the early days i think the hardest part of it was you know we understand death we understand you know that that person or that or that dog or that that cat that pet, any pet has gone and we can sort of we can come to terms with it because there's an understanding of it you know they don't know what death is they don't know what's happened they just know they're not here anymore so it was very much the she was communicating all of our feelings you know the the crying the howling the barking if i could have sat and cried and howled for days i probably would have but yeah it was not being able to help her not you know you couldn't you can't tell them it's going to be okay because yeah. they don't even know what it's going to be okay means. no yeah um, no it, i think the hardest part was you know reassuring her and actually she had this 
this massive fear of being alone. So we, you know, we'd all of a sudden got this almost three-year-old dog that had never had separation anxiety that, you know, it happened overnight. It was, she woke up terrified of being alone and, and trying to manage that and having to look into, you know, actually she's not necessarily scared that we're going to go and not come back. She's just scared of being on her own. So looking at, you know, Instagram and, and, and group chats and things were our, our lifesaver at the time. It was very much a, have you been through this? Have your dogs been through this? And you do find a lot of your support and guidance from, you can pick little bits from other people's journeys. But yeah, definitely the hardest part was it's the communication when you can see that they're struggling because they don't speak English and they have absolutely yeah. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's totally understandable because like you say they don't know how to speak human and in that kind of situation for humans that's where social support comes in isn't it where you lean on your family and friends and you know you get you they even if sometimes just having somebody in the room with you can take the edge off rather than talking about it and that kind of thing but it's how do you communicate that to your dog because yeah you can sit in a room with them but how can you actually like I don't know it's really hard to explain isn't it how can you get them to understand that you are there for them it's just I can imagine it's so 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 difficult like you know if if you're having a good cry the you know one of the first things that tends to happen is your dog will come and check if you're all right but then (laughs) when that dog is struggling you then don't want to cry even more on the dog so it was it was like oh, I don't know what to do am I doing the right thing am I being a terrible mum because I'm crying all over her but oh yeah because then you pass quite quickly yeah so how long did how long did it last for then do you think how long was um, she sort of struggling I in that would, kind of phase for? I would probably say it was a good six or seven weeks altogether which yeah. I say quickly that that is quite a long time when you think you couldn't leave the house without your dog howling but it slowly got better and I think um, you know Blue's dog dad played a massive part in that he he'd take her out he you know he was very good at distracting her her training he sort of upped her training a little bit so it very much went from it's quite difficult to train when Cheska's around because Cheska just saw food or treats and thought it was playtime all the time where Blue was (laughs) a little bit more a little bit more brain work for Blue so I think keeping her mind busy helped massively, taking her outside of the house. It was very easy for us as a family to just want to stay in, not want to do anything. We felt rotten, but actually that wasn't doing Blue any favours at all. We needed to get, you know, a home as a sense was not where Blue wanted to be. She didn't didn't feel happy there. So very much getting out, going on walks, keeping her mind busy. And... I mean, we came to see you at Crofts and we came back with bags upon bags of toys and treats. And I think that played a massive part. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when, the, that's when the spoiled dog syndrome started, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember seeing all the pictures, actually. Um, yeah, because it was really, it was still very raw at Crofts, wasn't it? It was still very raw. Yeah, really yeah. raw, yeah. I know. I remember thinking, oh no, Simone's coming to the stall today. It's going to be. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to be her. like. <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah, well, because I don't oh. deal well with public displays of emotion. 
I, I really no. don't I really don't so I was like so scared I was gonna see you and just like burst into tears about Cheska but I can't remember oh, if I did or not no. did we manage to keep no it I think it, and it was very much like I think when we were at Cross we were introducing ourselves with our dogs names weren't we so yeah. it was if I introduce myself as blue is anyone going to know who I am we're not you know at that point we were still Cheska and blue on Instagram it was oh. I go up and say hi I'm blue are they going to be like who so it was like I'm Cheska <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone's just you, like you, you were really i remember your mom just sort of going oh oh <laughs> yeah. i was like oh, i'm just gonna turn around and focus on esme <laughs> yeah. and then and then that's betsy's mom and um, betsy old time bulldog we she messaged me a couple of days before and said oh we've got you a gift we'll give it to you across make sure you you meet us at cat stand and i was thinking oh my god i, I really hope that Lou isn't one of these people that wants you to open the gift in front of her because it is not going to be pretty. <laughs> so thank you. I'll put it in the bag really quick and then cried when I got home. <laughs> I know, I know it is. I know, and it is silly, really, that we don't really like to let us guard down in public because, again, it's just social mm -hmm. support, isn't it? We all feel the same way. We just want to kind of like yeah. keep it inside. But yeah, it's so emotional. Uh, it's so emotional. And actually, a lot of, I would say, a lot of my support, I can't, I can't speak for, for my husband and, and my son, but a lot of my support, I would say, came from from that dog community as such. It's, yeah. I think, there's this little corner of the Instagram world where we are crazy dog parents, and they are our life and soul. And I think if I'd have gone to some of my other friends and and said, you know, Blue's behaving like this, I don't know what to do. It would have been, she's a dog, but there yeah. was there was this group of group of people that just got it and the ones that didn't get it you know they they tried to find answers or they were yeah they were an inbox away from from being just they were amazing yeah. they definitely got me through it yeah I think it is some people kind of look at you like um you're a bit weird when you <laughs> mm. <laughs> when you sort of like talk about your dog in such a passionate way you see, mm. but they're the ones that are weird, right? They're the ones that are weird. Oh, <laughs> it's not A hundred percent. It's when I tell people at work that my dog's got an Instagram, they're like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not? Because it's what we do. Mm. She is my child and I will show her off. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's lovely. Oh, bless her. So, mm. oh, so it's such kind of like, um, it's such a sad situation to discuss and it is quite a heavy topic because it does sort of like you know it wakes up emotions when you have to kind of go down there and talk about past experiences and thinking about tougher times but I do think you know it is something that we should talk about a lot more that people should come forward and like you say it does kind of put you off wanting to go to friends that aren't dog people because you're not sure how it'll be received and that can also impact your own healing journey with grief about pet loss and so if you know for people that are struggling with things like this right now if you don't have any friends that understand do get yourself over to Instagram and do <laughs> just you know kind of find people to connect with on there and there are people millions of people on instagram whose dogs have an account who will be happy to talk and we're all as mad as a box of frogs are we 
so yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely recommend joining the community in that respect <laughs> yeah and I remember sort of thinking at the time like we knew it was coming for those those initial days before and the sort of saying to crying you know before she'd even gone crying at the thought of her going but I don't think you're prepared for the you know everybody's lost somebody that they love at, at some point but it's 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 very strange and it's not just you know your whole dynamics changes the house was silent there was yeah. it, it instantly felt quieter and it it was it's strange but I think the biggest comfort like you said once you can connect with somebody that gets it or has been through it or is going through something similar it it makes sense a little bit more I don't think you yeah. can I don't think you necessarily understand how you'll feel from the loss of a pet until you lose your pet it's oh, it's wow 10,000 times worse than you can imagine yeah and, and then so <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know they're every day aren't they they're there every day whether they're in the background or you can hear them getting a drink out of their water bowl it's it's little things that you're subconsciously hearing every day that then yeah. go yeah. And I think it's your whole dynamic changes. So that little crazy corner of frogs on Instagram are definitely good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember that because obviously Betty had problems with her legs and we had ramps all over the house. She had a ramp to get on the sofa mm -hmm. and she had a ramp to get out the garden because we had steps in the back garden. Um, but we didn't have a ramp on the stairs well, because they were just too tall. So I used to pick her up and take her upstairs. And I remember for weeks afterwards, every time I'd turn the lights off downstairs to go upstairs, I'd bend down at the bottom of the stairs to pick her up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she wasn't there. And that was yeah. one of the hardest things because it's sort of like I wasn't even thinking about doing it. And it was just autopilot. And then in that instance, it's like, bang, it just hits you all over again. Because mm -hmm. you just, it's so noticeable in that moment. And I think that's yeah. that's probably one of the hardest things was getting used to the house again because as you there's sort of like a an eerie chill in the air, isn't there? You know when yeah. it happens, and it's um, it definitely does kind of you can sort of feel the change in the energy, like the frequency, can't you? Oh, it's, 100%. It's really, really weird, but yeah. And oh. I didn't realise before. Like I've got a younger sister, and my parents and grandparents, you know, they'd always call us each other's name, and it'd be like oh, not that one, but the amount of times I called Blue Cheska and still sometimes do like I'll be sat and I'll say something and, and my husband will go you've just said Cheska haven't and you, <laughs> you've got to get out of that rhythm of, of shouting both of them it was like oh where's the other one no <laughs> it's yeah. it's a new routine you and yeah it's it's strange very strange it's hard isn't it it's hard oh, you can say hello Bernie <laughs> come to say hello oh blue sulking <laughs> she's finished whatever she was chewing and now she's under the table sulking. <laughs> oh well so um if there is anything you would say to pet parents who are struggling with the same thing in terms of support what would that be don't don't not talk to somebody just because you think they're not going to get it and if if you're not getting the the support or the cuddles that you need you know head over to instagram if you've got a pet account just put it on your story you'll be surprised like it we had accounts reaching out to us that you know we'd followed but not really engaged with or ones that had started following us 
because of Cheska. And mm -hmm. it, that I would say massively helped. Don't, you know, people think, oh God, they're strangers. They're going to think I'm a weirdo if I, if I send yeah. this message. But actually, do you know, if you pop up in my inbox and say, I'm struggling, I won't think that you're a, a mad frog at all. Just, just <laughs> send me a message. I'll gladly talk to you for hours. <laughs> but oh. it, yeah, it's hard but don't don't bottle it up because that's not healthy in, in any way you can reach out to anybody and I do think there are some I think it's the P is it PDSA is that who they're called I think they now have launched a like a pet grief helpline oh um, right yeah yeah something like that it might not even be PDSA but I know just pop it into Google there'll be all sorts on there and then yeah, there are we've got a son and YouTube are full of videos that that are helpful so no, you sometimes your support comes from where you least expect it yeah oh, that's that is a lovely lovely bit of support support there so thank you for sharing that i don't think you know you could you could have hit the nail on the head anymore with that because i think one of the main things is the support following such an emotional experience both for you and your pet and everybody else yeah. in the household so you know it is something that we overlook and sometimes we might neglect ourselves in taking you know taking the steps in order to kind of heal from the experience so i definitely definitely do recommend joining the box of frogs 100 percent, 100 they're great <laughs> so if any of our listeners would like to contact you for support would you be happy to lend an ear yes definitely lovely jubbly so if you do want to um follow blue's journey with simone then you can find them on instagram i will pop um blue's instagram handle in the show notes but for anyone that's listening it is at underscore blue underscore the underscore underscore gsd that's right isn't it <laughs> the longest name we didn't realize and until we had to change that instagram handle from chesco and blue to just blue there must be about 50 million German Shepherds called Blue. Really? <laughs> like, that one's taken, that one's taken, that one's taken. Oh it is, to yeah. be fair, it's it's short if you don't have to say underscore. If mm. you just say Blue the yeah. PSD, then it's just, it's short, but it is all the underscores. But trust me, in all my experience in dealing with Instagram names, that is not the longest name. <laughs> 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 when I was doing the live sales, some of the ones that I used to have to type in, I'd just be like, eh? <laughs> oh, so thank you for that, Simone. Um, do you have any plans for the future with Blue regarding your natural journey? Do you have anything, any kind of like avenues you want to navigate or anything like that? So I think now that we have only got Blue and we're not doing a kibble bowl and a raw bowl and, and everything else in between bowls, um, our focus is going to be mastering the raw. I think we've done, you know, we've brought the ready-made things and the completes and we've tried our hand at a little bit of DIY, but making sure that Blue is, I think when you think of a raw diet, you think of, right, they've got a raw meat and that's all they need, but there is so much more that you need to make sure they're getting. So trying to somehow get my head around all of that which is where I'm going to be leaning on you all the time <laughs> yeah definitely wanting to make sure that she's getting what she needs as a raw fed dog but also quality as well we don't want to just give it up because it's 
it's the cheapest thing in the shop which do you know what if that's what you do there's no shame in it but we're in a position now where we're a one dog household we have budgeted for food and two dogs for the past however long and you know blue blue thrives on a on a raw diet her coat has is better her energy levels she's just a more pleasant sassy dog to be around so <laughs> my my aim is to make sure that she's got the best bowl in town <laughs> yeah i like the sound of that and it sounds to me like you need to attend one of my raw ready workshops i think that's what you absolutely. might need. absolutely yeah so maybe we can start that out. and to be fair you know raw feeding it sounds complicated and it looks complicated and Sometimes it is complicated depending which method you follow. But one of my goals is to make it super simple so that everybody can do it with confidence. So you will have to let me know what you think after the workshop and see if oh, it I improves will. your confidence. And I think my favorite thing as well about, about you and your workshops and Be More Dog is it's not judgmental at all. It's, you know, feed the dog in front of you by any means. But actually, if, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're new to it, no judgment we'll help you <laughs> and hey. i need all the help i can get so <laughs> well i mean you know my story i used to feed pepperamis as treats back in the day i've been there i was that person if that's you right now Aww. that was me seven eight years ago we've all been there there is no shame in it what matters is that we now learn and then we mm. better once we know so there is no judgment here wherever you are on your yeah. journey we, we can change it we can change it that's fine with me <laughs> right well i think you know that was such a such a heartfelt episode i really really did enjoy that episode and i think it's sometimes you know i don't talk about betty and my experiences enough and this podcast has really given me a chance to kind of open up about that as well so it's I know that we're kind of delving deep into experiences with our guests such as yours and and it's I love hearing about different perspectives from different people's lives and stuff but I'm also really loving being able to kind of open up as well with you guys so I really do appreciate you coming on to talk about such a tough topic and I know you know it's it's coming up to a year since losing Cheska so it is still raw if you ask me mm -hmm. it's still very very yeah. raw so thank you thank you ever so much for coming on simone and thank you for really, having us. no it's been such a pleasure and don't forget everybody if you want to reach out to simone then go find them on instagram their handle is in the show notes and we'll leave it there bye thanks for listening to another great episode of the my dog made me do it naturally podcast don't forget to check out the caption for any links discussed here today. And please, if you enjoyed the show, follow along and listen for free on your favourite podcast app. If you have any questions or would like to share your story, feel free to email me at mydogmademedoitnaturally at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Purpose of this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted as advice from a veterinarian or other professional. It does not form a client relationship with me, the host or any guest speakers and any information is not intended to and does not diagnose, treat, cure or prevent disease. And my guests express our own views, thoughts and opinions as individuals and the podcast neither endorses or opposes the views, products or services discussed here. If your pet is ill, always seek advice from your veterinarian. I am not a veterinarian and I do not treat disease or offer medical advice.